19-1961 from the District of Nebraska, United States versus Timothy Washington. Okay, good morning, uh, Council, and uh, Ms. Uh, Schiffer-Miller, you can begin when you're ready. Thank you, Your Honors. May it please the court, Council, I am Joy Schiffer-Miller. I'm court-appointed counsel for Mr. Timothy Washington in this case. This case comes before you as a First Step Act uh, reduction of a sentence. Uh, Mr. Washington was convicted over 10 years before um, the sentencing proceedings in this case uh, and had been convicted and sentenced for crack cocaine, which uh, due to the disparate treatment of individuals such as Mr. Washington, Congress decided to change the law and make it so that Mr. Washington was entitled to a retroactive reduction of his sentence in this case. And as a result of that, the court system here in Nebraska, and I think pretty much nationwide, went through and did a recalculation of sentences. In Mr. Washington's case, there was a worksheet, First Step Act worksheet that was produced by the probation department and provided to the court and the parties, which set out that Mr. Washington under those rules, the current um, sentencing guidelines was entitled to a 98 month sentence reduction from 360 months to 262 months. And that Mr. Washington had served that 262 months uh, by September of 2016 and uh, with respect to Mr. Washington he had been convicted of another crime after his imprisonment which also garnered, garnered him a 33 month um, sentence which was consecutive to this. Now the First Step Act worksheet that was done by probation was very thorough in this regard and it completely said that since Mr. Washington had been sentenced and had gotten this consecutive sentence, he had served the 262 months by September of 2016 and so at the time of sentencing in March of 2019 he had already served the, not only the 262 months, but in addition to that, the 33 months of the consecutive sentence and that he was subject to immediate release. Is it your position that the, uh, that the, the district court's first order, not the second one, that, that um, whatever you want to clarify it, change to whatever you want to call it, that the first order is ambiguous or do you think that... Um, time served for both offenses is the only reasonable reading of that first order. I believe that the time served for both offenses is the only reasonable reading for that first order. And the reason for that is the court in its first order specifically adopted the First Step Act worksheet, which sets out that um, computation. And so I, you know, when we received the courts, first of all, there's three orders in the court. There was the first order where the judge said the parties stipulated to the sentencing reduction and that he was adopting our stipulation. And Mr. Higgins rightly brought back before the court and said, 
hey, if you think I stipulated to this, uh, you know, in our stipulation, it specifically said that we agree the calculation is right, but we're asking that you maintain Mr. Washington longer. Um, and I think the court would have had jurisdiction to do that. But the second order of the court simply changed that language that said the parties stipulated and it said we still adopt the first step worksheet. And so I, when Mr. Washington and I received that document showing that the court had agreed that he was entitled to the time served and that um, when you, he adopts the first step act worksheet, which specifically says time served included <coughs> the 262 months that he would have served by September 16th or September 2016 and the additional 33 months would have all been served by March of 2019, you know, obviously Mr. Uh, Washington is noticeably relieved and believes himself to be entitled to um, that relief and, and be released. Now, no, no appeal was taken from the court's second order in this case. And then the court, when Mr. Washington was not released, I filed a motion to clarify, and in the court's order, he said it was a motion to reconsider. It was not a motion to reconsider. What I was saying in my motion to clarify was clearly that the court should enter an order that he had served his full time, you know, in because of the first act worksheet being adopted, he should have recognized and did recognize it's our contention that Mr. Washington had already served all that time and should have been eligible for immediate release. What do we do though with, with that third order? I mean, that's that's one of the things I'm having trouble with because it, it's almost like, you know, I know it's not a perfect analogy, but it's almost like a mutual mistake in a plea agreement or something like that, where the district court comes back and says, well, I know what I said, but I also meant something else. And, and sort of clarifies for both parties because both parties, Apparently, the government thought um, that, the, that the judge did what the judge eventually did in that third order. Um, you thought that the judge did something different in that in that second order. So what do we do then with that third order where he clarifies it? Well, Judge, it is our contention, as is the last two arguments in my brief, that by him going through and making a change to the previous order that he had already adopted, he was without jurisdiction to make that change. I submit that, this, that the U.S. Attorney's Office was also not confused, which is why the U.S. Attorney's Office in the first instance said, hey, wait, 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 I did not stipulate to this much of a sentence reduction. But the U.S. Attorney's Office did not breathe a noticeable sigh of relief after the court said, well, I know you didn't stipulate, but I'm still adopting the, the First Step Act worksheet. And I think the judge cannot go back and say, you know, on mature reflection, I should have sentenced him to the time served in this case and this case only and should have rejected the First Step Act worksheet, which also addresses the additional um, 33 months that he was given in the other case. You know, I, there's no reading of the court's order or of that First Step Act worksheet that would adopt, you know, if the court did not intend to give him that little of time, that's still 
you know, maybe maybe if they've changed their mind and said, hey, I think he deserves the extra 33 months on 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 top of the 262 months that he would have. I mean, so he's already had an extra 33 months during this time. So by that view, he's just he he should have made if that was his original intent. And I submit to your honors that it really wasn't his original intent. He would have made that clear to the parties. He would have made it clear to Mr. Washington that, hey, I know you've already served 262 months and you've already served an additional 33 months and you could have been eligible for release under the First Step Act, but I'm going to give you additional time on top of that. Um, but, but the district court says it was its original intent, right? Are you telling us to disregard that statement or? I, that, he does say that that was his original intent. And he thought that there was, if he was, what he basically says is if, that he thought that there was a meeting of the minds between us all. But I think, I don't think that there's a fair read of that. Um, with, with you adopting the First Step Act worksheet, I mean, if that was his original intent, what, what do you do with the First Step Act worksheet that has the language in there that he had, Mr. Washington had already served the 262 months, plus he had, by September of 2016, and since it's now March of 2019, that he's eligible for release. How, what do you do with that, that adoption if, if that was the court's original intent, because I submit it's not—it's not really a mistake that he made. It's—he's adopted this sentencing, well, and now the, he's the going back court, to change. The district court it. says that the court adopted the worksheet as a matter of routine because no one objected to it. Isn't that a plausible explanation for what happened here? And that I'm looking in footnote one of of the order that was issued uh, on 29 April. Well, and I suppose that that's true, but I think maybe in addition to that, he adopted it because no one objected and that was his original intent. I see that I'm into my rebuttal time, so I will um, see the, reserve the rest of the time for rebuttal. All right, thank you, counsel. Thank you. Mr. Higgins, you're muted, Mr. Higgins. Good morning, Your Honor. Good morning. Counsel, may it please the court. In this case, the district court did obviously grant the defendant's request for a retroactive sentence reduction under the First Step Act. It just didn't grant as much of a reduction as the defendant wanted. Obviously, the defendant wanted a reduction down to 262 months. And if you look at the stipulation into which the parties entered, the government didn't agree to a sentence of 262 months. It didn't agree that the probation office's calculation was right. Uh, the parties agreed that the defendant was eligible for a reduction down to 262 months. But in point of fact, the district court never 
ordered a reduction of 262 months. Instead, what it consistently did in its three different orders was to pronounce the exact same extent of a reduction, time served. So in its original order and amended judgment, dockets or document numbers 328-29, the bottom line was time served. And that time served can apply only as to the case as to which the court had jurisdiction, which was the crack case. So it's a time served. You really emphasize the 262 months, and I agree. But one thing that's conspicuously omitted, maybe I'm wrong about this, is he also doesn't reduce it to 295 months, which is the equivalent of what the government is arguing happened here. Well, sir, I can provide what I think would be the explanation for that. You know, why the district court decided to do time served rather than 295, it's not, it didn't say from the record, that question was never posed. But I can tell you that as a practical matter, if the judge simply orders time served as to the crack case, then what the BOP is going to do is to say, you get credit for the time and your time is served as of the date of the order. And that's what the BOP did here. If on the other hand, the district court reduced it to say 295 months, well, with BOP's calculation, you know, then the time would, maybe it would have finished, you know, a week before the date of the sentencing order, or maybe two weeks after the sentencing order. I don't know, and I'm not an expert in making that calculation with the BOP, but that to me is an explanation for why the district court would do what it did. I would add to that. Let me ask you this. I want to follow up too, because one of the things I find curious and opposing counsel made this argument is there was a stipulation that he was eligible, right? And so then the defense's position is obviously he should be let out of jail immediately. That's sort of the defense's position. And the government's position comes back and says, well, we have stipulated to a reduction, but we do not stipulate to the extent that he wants. And then the district court comes in and says nothing about that dispute between the parties, simply says time served and doesn't address it. And so I'm left wondering whether the better reading of this order, quite frankly, is the one that defense counsel is advancing. Well, Judge, you're correct that the district court in its original order did not reflect that the defendant's motion was unopposed. And a slight correction, Judge, the government agreed that the defendant was eligible, opposed a reduction of any amount, but the alternative opposed a reduction to the extent of 262 months. But be that as it may, the district court, I'll grant you, didn't accurately reflect the government's opposition. That's why I filed the motion to clarify. And its order, non-pro-tunk, and I think this would be my explanation, came back exactly the same. That is, it simply took out the part about the motion being unopposed and came back with time served. I want to ask you, is the government's position that the three orders together are ambiguous, or is the position that it's time served as interpreted by the government and is brief and there's no ambiguity here? It's a variation of your second one, Judge. Our position is that the district court consistently and explicitly announced a sentence of time served. If there is, I guess our position is there is no ambiguity with respect to what was the pronouncement of the sentence that the district court made. 
The only discrepancy here is the legal interpretation of what does time served mean? Well, that's a legal question. And the district court in its third order that was in response to the defendant's motion to clarify went into more detail and explained why it ordered a time served and what it was in what its intent um, was in doing so. And it explained that so that the reduction would apply only to the drug offense so that the defendant would still have to consecutively serve the sentence for the felony assault that he committed while he was in federal prison. Counsel, uh, I would suggest- uh, counsel I'm trying to trying to follow your your argument I think I understand it but so let me ask just just for clarification the the first order docket 328 it talks about that the parties have stipulated to a sentence reduction to 262 months now the government says you didn't really stipulate to the 262 correct Judge, even more than that, I didn't stipulate to a reduction at all. I stipulated okay, but, that. But be, no that it, be that as it may, that's what the judge said in this order. And then, and then the then the court goes further and says, having reviewed the record and considered the factors enumerated in 3553A, agrees that the party stipulated reduction is appropriate. So apparently, the court thought there was a stipulation between the parties to the 262 months. And, and then the judge says that reduction to 262 is appropriate. Now, how do we, what do we do with that? Well, judge, I think you continue on with the, the, the rest of that sentence, uh, or rather the rest of that order lower in the paragraph, because the defendant has already served at least 262 months, this stipulated so-called reduction results in a sentence of time served not time served two and a half years ago. That would be the legal effect of time served is the time served up until the date of this order. Judge, I would also suggest so, so the, further answer. So are you saying that the, what, the, what the court is saying is that I agree that the Senate should be reduced to 262 months and that reduction is appropriate, but I'm not going to reduce the sentence to 262. I'm going to reduce it to some more lengthy term? Does that really make sense? It does, Judge. He sentences it to time served because, as he explains in his final uh, response to the defendant's request to clarify, uh, and it made explicit what its intent was. And that was so that the defendant would have to begin serving uh, his assault sentence after the crack sentence was completed. And then when you add, to to add on to it, I mean, it becomes even more, um, I guess, ambiguous in my view, when he adopts a sentencing worksheet. And I understand uh, what Judge Kobus was asking opposing counsel, which is he later clarifies it, but he doesn't clarify it until the third order. And so to me, the over half the worksheet, I mean, clearly over half the worksheet is about the calculation. And so if you're not gonna adopt over half the worksheet, you'd think the district court would say so, but maybe I'm wrong about that and maybe you have a response. Well, Judge, I guess twofold. One is that the uh, sentencing worksheet itself recommends a time served. I think it miscalculates what the, 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 uh, the legal effect of what a time served sentence is. Time served is the date, time served up until the date of the order. Um, but I think if you also look at the retroactive sentencing worksheet, the far left column uh, next to that section having to do with those calculations, it's captioned greatest possible reduction. 
So the only recommendation that's within the worksheet is for a sentence of time served. It says so explicitly. Now it, it goes on to calculate. But it, but it underlines, and maybe this, maybe this is where, maybe you're going to argue the sentencing worksheet is ambiguous. Mr. Washington's new projected release date from the BOP is March 19th, 2019. It seems pretty clear that that's based on the 262 months figure. Well, Judge, and I think you're right that that is based on the, uh, the probation office's calculation of 262, because if you look at the first line of that same paragraph, as confirmed with the BOP, with a sentence reduction of 262 months, that is, assuming that's what you do, Judge. And the judge made clear in his, uh, in the third order, look, probation can order what, or excuse me, <laughs> retract that, probation can recommend whatever it wants to. You know, at the end of the day, the district court, the Article Three judge, is the one who has the responsibility to decide what the sentence ultimately ought to be. And that's what the district court made clear that it was doing, is making that legal determination of what the sentence should be in an exercise of its discretion. Uh, the only other thing that I would, no, I don't think that's that's going to help the, uh, the analysis to uh, go into the additional point that I had in mind just a moment ago. Well, let me can I ask you one more question. I'm going to ask you one more question. It sounds to me like this is at least ambiguous. And, and, and if it is ambiguous, what's the outcome here? Does, does he get 262 months and do we read it in his favor? Or is there some argument for the government that the government still wins here? Fair question, Judge. Thank you. Uh, I think that the, the line of cases that is most instructive, I didn't include any of them in my brief, unfortunately, uh, but they have to do with situations where, unlike here, there's an oral pronouncement of judgment and followed by a written pronouncement of judgment. Um, in that situation, uh, I would say that just gleaning from that case law, that if all the pronouncements are consistent with one another, that is the oral and the written, and there's ambiguity then you construe that in the defendant's favor. If on the other hand, they're inconsistent with one another, the initial and the later, then the uh, case law is, and the directive of, to the Eighth Circuit is, uh, that it's put upon itself, is that uh, the obligation of the uh, reviewing court is to look at the record as a whole, if there's ambiguity, uh, and then to discern the sentencing judge's intent. If that's possible to do based on the record as a whole, then implement that. Uh, if it is not, and with those uh, uh, provisos and conditions I just uh, explained, then I think the proper remedy would be to remand for the district court to clarify. Here, I don't think there is ambiguity in the first instance. Respectfully, I disagree because the pronouncements were clear as to the bottom line. I take your point with respect to the things we've discussed. Uh, if there is, you conclude, ambiguity, uh, it is not a consistent ambiguity. Um, and from the record as a whole, in particular, the district court's third order, he makes crystal clear what his intent is. That's, I think, the result the court ought to reach. I have nothing further to add unless the uh, court has questions. Hearing none, thank you okay. very much. We ask that you affirm the district court. Thank you, uh, Mr. Higgins. Mr. Schiffer Miller, you have uh, four and a half minutes. I 
I think that the parties have fairly spelled out what the issue is. Um, it is our contention that the judge's order, when he says Mr. Washington is sentenced to time served, and in addition to that, he's adopting the work sentencing first step act sentencing worksheet that time served the only reasonable interpretation of that language is that that includes time served with the 33 months on top of the time served of the 262 months um and i think that to go back and change his order and give an additional 33 months to Mr. Washington, basically, on top of that is not permissible under the Sadler case that's cited in our brief. I mean, it, it resulted in a change of his sentence that had been previously um, given in this case. And with that, I would submit it unless you have other questions. I think, I think it's fairly well spelled out in the record. Okay, thank you very much um, to both counsel for your arguments this morning and the case is submitted. The court will render a decision in due course.